0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started.
1: My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. And I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we go where you go to have those mastermind conversations you weren't anticipating and weren't expecting to change your life? And where are some of the places these take place? Certainly, very rarely within your office. Certainly, not too often within a conference room. But where are some of these places? You may hear ambient conversations in the background. You may hear birds chirping. You may hear the hustle and bustle of the world. We at the Business Creators Radio Show are a from-the-field podcast, which means we pack up our elaborate studio, which consists of, well, a laptop and go wherever these things happen. Back today, we're broadcasting from my sumptuous Las Vegas balcony. And we are going to have a conversation about how to make people your organization's competitive advantage, which is something I'm sure you've heard about 55 times already. But what you've heard, you're about to hear today is going to be something that I feel is completely at least different, if not inspirational, that's going to give you a new view on how to leverage any organization's number one competitive assets. And to share with us today, we have with us Rami Alajil, and you're going to love this guy. Rami and his wife, Elizabeth, are the owners of People Processes, which is a provider of integrated automated HR processes. Rami and his team work with hundreds of companies across the United States, helping them learn how to stop pushing paper and stop prioritizing people. In addition, Rami serves on the Federal Reserve's Industry Council on Healthcare, providing insights into employer costs and how they affect businesses in today's marketplace. He holds a bachelor's degree in financial economics and an MBA with a focus on economics, and his book, People Processes, was an Amazon number one bestseller in the HR category in one of Inc.com's top 10 leadership books in 2019. And three years later, we're still talking about it, which means it was one hell of a message. Rami Alagio, come on in. The weather's fine.
2: Oh, man, I'm glad to be here. And you nailed the name, Rami. You nailed it. I'm so happy.
1: Well, <laughs> I had a little help from my friends on that one. And I'm uh, and here's the thing, I just read off your official bio. It's so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here. And this is actually my show. So, what we'd like to do here is have our guests, in addition to me reading off the official bio, tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
2: Oh, man. Well, I'm just a, a, a nerdy boy from Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, some of the things my bio leaves out I'm a, am a, a lucky guy I met my my wife now uh in fact our uh our 19 year dating anniversary just happened I met her when I was 16 we started dating uh April 17th back then okay and have been together ever since uh we we work together every single day since we were 16 years old and we started this company together back in 2009 um many years later I love data analysis and coming to the reasons why people do things. So as an undergrad, I focused in on labor economics. And when I worked on my master's, I did that as well. I like to look at the reasons people make decisions when they have constraints. They, don't, they can't do everything. They got to pick certain things. And so uh, my journey started with really focusing in on what drives those decisions around employment and work and career And from there, we, um, I mean, I, I just like everybody else who started a business had my ups and downs. We started a company. I was 22. I had about 120 grand in the bank that I'd saved up from prior business ventures. I I started business when I was 13 and, um, Six months later, you know, I had five grand in the bank and a ten grand payroll due. So uh, I've 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 run the run the gamut like many business owners. I don't believe you have lived until you've put a payroll on a credit card. And yeah, um, yeah, that's you know it's just part of it. Uh, it. Took a few years to find our niche, really define our product, really be able to do to, to figure out what our promise needed to be, and then be able to deliver that consistently. And uh, we got there. We started growing. <laughs> We followed the, the business 101 of, op, of standardizing our operating procedures of getting the um, business running so that other people could perform the activities as needed and uh, scaled up and grew. And it went, it went great until maybe around year seven or eight, we were making good profit. Um, and at that time we were, we were doing HR just like we do now. And we were focused very much on this whole operating procedure world, just like many small businesses. Uh, we had expanded into 30 some odd states at that point. And uh, we had a knowledge base with 1100 articles, <laughs> very useful, a uh, bit of a booger to search when there was a problem, but we had, oper- we had put all these procedures in place. The problem was when you're in 30 states and you're growing uh, the way we were, there are new things like every day. I thought I had understood business. you you figure it out. You write down the process. You hire other people. You train them how to do it. They take care of it. Uh, they follow your procedures. you know. Um, but the problem came when uh, every single day, there were there were new things, like really new things. And no one in the company knew how to do them. Uh, I had to figure it out or we had to hire a consultant. We had to go to a lawyer. We to, it wasn't something you could standardize as a process. And uh, it all came to a head when one of my sales guys, my best sales guy, he he went out and I didn't even know about it. He had been working on this group for like two years and he closed a group with 13,000 locations, which is wonderful. Our largest company at the time had about 1,100 employees. This was a very different kind of thing. And we high fived, we, you know, office party absolutely. And Liz and I, I remember going back to the conference room. After everybody, you know, we'd all celebrated and Liz burst into tears and I followed right after because we had no idea how we were going to scale to this level in the time frame of that the promise had been made because uh, we so much still rode on us. And that was really the start of the journey of people processes beyond just being an HR company that answers questions and does research and helps with benefits and, you know, has a payroll software like most other HR companies we realized we had to go another step. And, and what we learned was that there is a system, there is processes you can put in place, but it wasn't about operations anymore. It was about building the people who could build the processes for operations. So I lay out this vision. Day one, you probably have a crap product and you're probably no good at your job. Welcome to business. Right. You're going to need to figure that out. You got to be able to have a a. To, to succeed in business, you got to not suck. It's a hard competition. You got to find your niche. You got to find your product. You got to be able to deliver it. Step 2 emith Revisited 101. You got to standardize your operating procedures and you got to make it so that the product you deliver can be consistently delivered as an operation that other people can do. And a lot of businesses never get there. They never figure out how to even get their operation scaling. But the ones that get there often hit a second bottleneck, which is that you need to take yet another step back. You're not the guy who changes tires. You're not the guy who hires people to change tires. You're the guy who hires people to figure out how to change tires. Oh, okay. You got to go one step further back. You're no longer an operator. Or you're no longer someone doing it. You're no longer someone hiring people to do it. You got to go a step further back, hire people to figure out how to do it. And that process is what we've built out and trademarked as people processes. It's the development of someone from an enthusiastic new hire all the way through a competent, trusted person who will make the same decision you will make, or at least a good decision, (laughs) um, uh, without your input and without a standard operating procedure to follow. That's the ultimate goal.
1: Well, this does sound different from some of what I hear about uh, sourcing and finding uh, employees, team members, what have you. What I keep seeing are these stories of, like, let's say somebody's looking for a developer, and they say you have to have five plus years experience in X, and then the development or the developer of that software will actually comment on the job posting and say, "That's interesting, since you're asking for five years experience." Yeah. I developed that software three years ago. Three years
2: ago, I saw
1: that yeah. post, man. That's a that, around. That, yeah. well, there's, well, there's, more than
0: one of those. Uh, it goes and around then, and, all the time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then, and then, and then, and then, hey, then you have the entry level person who needs to have 15 years experience with all aspects of Microsoft Office.
2: <laughs> it's that's people recruiting the wrong. That's just a, a people make crap processes. There is no doubt, and and recruiting is one of the ten key focus areas we look at in our HR process. It's an important one. But in general, what people are trying to do is substitute skill or experience for a behavior, an actual action people take. And we, tr- we separate those just to dive down this rabbit hole. When you're recruiting, you need to be looking at two buckets. Competency, can they do the job? You don't hire an accountant who doesn't know what a credit or debit is. I get it. They have to be able to do the job. That's skill. But the truth is, barring a very few things, I mean, if you're the Mayo Clinic and need a brain surgeon who can separate twins at birth, there's only like eight people. It's skills a problem. I get it. But for most of us in the world, skill is not the bottleneck. Okay. whether you're a plumber, whether you're a, a programming team, whether you're a accounting office. Uh, or a nonprofit, it's not the skill that's the bottleneck. And yet that is what what people recruit recruit for. for. They think somehow that by making their skills higher and higher, they will solve the more pressing problem in their organization, which is not competency, but behavior. You can be a great accountant who knows how to do credits and debits and still be a total, I don't know the, the rating on this show, a total not fun person to work with.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. An uh, right? absolute asshole. I get it.
2: That's exactly right, right? So so there's two components to every person or every job. There's can you do it? What is your competency? And did you do it well in the way that we want you to, in the way that I would have done it as the business owner, right? Where you and and we we call those uh, those behaviors core values. There's a lot of different you can call them. You can call them your your immutable laws. There's a hundred different books and a hundred different HR companies that all want you to call them their thing. We call it core values. I don't care what kind of accountant you you are. I want you to be a good accountant. You have to have the skill, but you must also act politely. You must also be responsive. You must also work with your teammates in mind, the overall picture of the organization. Those behaviors you're never gonna see on a resume. It's not how that works. So you have to recruit with the understanding that you're recruiting, not just for skills and competencies, but also for your core values or for the way that you want people to behave inside your organization. And most businesses haven't defined them even, much less implemented a process that allows them to screen potential candidates to the point that they can competently say they actually are going to behave in this this manner. That's the hard part. Um, but yeah, you see that all the time. And, and it comes again from skill creep. It comes from people trying, they, they hired 10 programmers, all who had three years of experience or two years of experience. And half of them didn't work out, right? Half of them, they had to fire or they quit after six months. There's this crazy turnover. And they looked around and said, we need people who've done this longer. It's the problem is that they don't know how to program. No, okay. the problem is they don't behave the way that you expected them to behave. They, they, you expected them to come in to, to be a person who's going to learn your system. You expected them to be someone who's focused on acquiring knowledge. And then you hired somebody who hasn't learned a new thing since they were in college you know, 10 years ago. A lot of different ways of handling that. So that's just an example yeah. of one of the processes that, that, that go into developing a, a, a team that can be your competitive advantage, that you could have the same, in theory, product and pricing, and yet crush your competition. People can be that differentiator if you do it right.
1: Okay. Well, here's a story I have for you. And this goes back, oh, I don't know, about 20 years or so in my own history. This was about six months after I graduated with my undergrad degree. And I can't remember the reasons why, but I wanted to break into the temporary staffing industry. I I still can't remember why the reason was for that. Maybe I thought it was going to be fun. And I actually interviewed with a lot of companies in the Pittsburgh area and I kept hearing from folks, "Oh, so you don't really have experience here. Well, there's this one firm. If they offer you a position, take it. Work there for a year and then when they come up with some bullshit excuse to fire you for no reason, call me up and I'll hire you if you're any good." Well, wow. it's funny that that company that they were all referring to did contact me. And if I knew a third of what I knew now back then, I would have never worked there regardless of what I had been advised. First of all, I showed up and this and I had a full time job. I showed up at uh, seven o'clock in the morning and was treated like I was go by one of their recruiters there. Like, I was somebody who was going to be sent out on temp assignments. I had to explain to three people that I was there to interview for a position within the company, but they actually tried to get me to fill out paperwork as if I was going to be one of the temps. Then then the manager of temporary services, who uh, turned out was going to be my supervisor, uh, comes strutting in at 730 and says, oh, well, oh I don't really go by a schedule. I just come in whenever. <laughs> uh-huh. And then uh, and then there was one red flag during the subsequent interview that I should have actually just stood up and walked out. It's real simple. This company had been in business for 25 years. And I was told during the interview that they had approximately 15 employees. If I huh. one of the perks of working there was that if I stayed more than a year, then they would put my name on the front door. What? So when I walked in there, so when I walked in there, I should have inquired who those names were that were on the front door that I saw. It turned out the names were the, uh, the two, the two co-owners, yeah. the manager of staffing services, who's the owner's daughter and their administrative assistant. Yep. yep. Uh huh.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, there were some there were some bigger <sighs> bigger problems there. Let's just say that the experience was so awesome that I literally celebrate the day that I was how shall we say creatively asked to resign as literally <laughs> my second birthday. I I even tell this story in my contribution to the book Millennials, excuse me, Journey to Success the Millennial Edition. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the title name is two dates with destiny and one of them is april twenty seventh which is my second birthday and what's very interesting about all of this is that i once I did uh go back to some of the other companies I'd connected with previously, their first question was is uh what excuse did they have to make you quit yep uh-huh I was told that. I was told that if they were to form an alumni association of everybody that worked at that company, it would have filled a stadium. And I went to several companies where I interviewed and people would just people would come into the interview room just because they wanted to tell me their stories about how much my previous employer sucked.
2: That's amazing.
1: That's how bad this company was. I'm not even sure if they're still in business, if they are. I'd I'm be impressed be they were in business
2: for 25 years. But yeah, wow. yeah,
1: yeah. And if they're still around, they're going on 50 years. But yeah, that now <laughs> that I think is an extreme story. And I don't really care if they tune in and hear this. They they should be ashamed to based on how they treated <laughs> me and how they treat other people. I don't care. I don't care. As Rocky Balboa would say, sue me for what? I didn't fight it because believe me, I have stories and I still have paperwork. So uh, <laughs> go ahead. Bring it. No, 25
2: thinking, years I'm, later. I, I want everyone listening to yeah. think about this is a great story, but think about the rage this man has well, 25 it's,
1: it's, it's,
2: years later.
1: It's not so much and rage. It's like, that's how you like, treat. Come yeah. on, man.
2: Well, the, uh, I, tell this, I, I tell this when people are talking about uh, going back to the recruiting process. Like, some of these small businesses, 10, 15 employees, are going to have more applicants. Than they are ever going to have clients. Right. Right. By like a large margin. Their number one impact on the marketplace, the thing that shapes their reputation in the most minds is how they treated their applicants. Right. I want you to listen to the story Adam just told and think who out there is totally willing to light my business on fire at this point? Still, it's <laughs> think about it. You're, uh, applicant marketing is still marketing. It's still hundreds of people interacting with your brand or thousands or tens of thousands of people interacting with your brand. And you never know where those people are going to wind up. They may wind up with a radio show where they get to talk about you every couple of months. Uh, they uh-huh. may wind up as the, as the uh, CFO of your number one client in about 20 yeah. years. You never know. So treat these people with respect. They're humans. That's, that's, a, that's a great story. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you might bring up a very interesting point. Uh, you never know who you might piss off, who might then go on to become not only a decision maker, but an influencer.
2: Absolutely. Or even just a guy or gal who works in a business that's going to be making a decision about you. I, had a, I actually had a client uh, or, a, or a prospect. Um, we wound up, we, we, we met. Uh, it was all part of the, the sales team, marketing, all that. We yep. did proposals, we were getting down to close and I had an employee of mine reach out directly and say, Hey, I heard that we were going to start working with this company or that this was, you know, looking likely." and I was like, yeah, that's looking good. And she said, I worked for them, you know, 15 years ago and I can't possibly see a way to fix that unless the ownership is completely changed. And I had to, and I got to hear all about their dirty laundry. And I reached out to the client and I said, Hey, you know, I've got really crazy stuff about your, your piece. And they're like, yeah, we want you to come in and fix all that. And we did, they were one, they were one of the, we have about 150 companies we work with at any given time. Normally we keep it to hundred depending on the market, all kinds of stuff, but they were one of my first 70 clients and we worked with them for a year and they are, they were the first client that convinced me I had to fire clients. Nope, not going to work. Uh, that that employee told me exactly right. Uh, so it may not even be a client; it may be one of your vendors who hears crazy things about you.
1: Interesting. I don't know.
2: Yeah, but I uh, they from from the day we brought them on, it was just the truth of what this what one of my employees had told me. It was like it, they have a pretty face. They say they care. They they uh, they 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 obviously put money in, with us into trying to fix a lot of the stuff. Ah, uh, but when it came down to the owners, there was no when. It, when we actually got in the room, man, they did not care. They had no actual desire to fix this. We were a facelift trying to impress their employees. You know.
1: Oh very, yeah, yeah, that's that. Oh, that's fantastic. And I've heard. I, I haven't seen this for myself, but I've heard these stories of these companies that uh, will bring in consultants to make it look like that they're investing in the company, but really they're paying you as opposed to just simply giving their employees a raise. Right. Well, which, they, which, this, which, which has its yeah. way of helping people deal with certain situations to a degree.
2: Well, and, and in this case, it was, uh, you know, it was scapegoating. It was, uh, we can't, you know, um, oh, and better, we, yeah. we, we weren't the first or the last, you know, it was like, um I don't. Know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but basically, uh, we were often the we were brought in to fix problems. We we said, "Here's the problem. Let's fix it. This is how we're going to fix it." We were told, "No, you can't do that, or that's not how we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way." Then there would be a problem, and then people would go, "Gosh, that HR team you guys brought in has really got some issues." Uh, I don't like our new PTO prob- schedule, and I'm like, "No, yeah, I told them that, but I couldn't." You know, we uh-huh. we are there. We are an extension of our clients, right? right. So our brand. Just like I was saying with how you treat applicants, Lord, I can't work with a client who's going to treat their employees like crap because my name's on there, my company's name on there. Who knows where those employees are going to go work next?
1: Uh huh. Right. Well,
2: and think, oh, yeah, you bring in people processes to, Manage a mass pay cuts. That's why you bring Uh in.
1: It's like whoa, 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 buddy. No, no, that's that's not (laughs) not, not your reputation. Help, help, help.
2: help. Yeah. Uh So we became very. uh, That was another major change in our business about five years ago. Uh, We originally limited ourselves to a hundred clients. We did raise that to one hundred and fifty just during uh, when COVID hit. Uh, We went up to one hundred and fifty and we've stayed there. Uh, But we we turn away clients and we terminate every quarter a few clients uh, because. Well, at this point, we're, we're capped out. And uh, if anybody, when we get to the end of this, if you want to reach out to us to work with us, our next opening uh-huh. is January 1 of 2023. Um, yep. But that's how it works. And the reason was we realized we had to maintain our brand because while we may work with 150 companies, we work with 12,000 employees, 13,000 employees, depending on the size of the companies that, w- that we're working with. Right, That's a much bigger karmic balance. <laughs> than anything that I can do with 150 business owners. That's 13,000 people who love us or hate us. And I, I got to make sure they love us. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Well, let's uh, translate this a bit to virtual team building. And I, one of my experiences, and this came up a lot when I used to own a web development firm over 10 years ago, is usually when a company was thinking about hiring our company, we had a predecessor. There was somebody who we were replacing yeah. one way or the other. Uh, if I had any suspicions about anything, I would just simply say to the prospective client, I would say, once we get started, I uh, I think it would help things go a lot smoother. If I could connect with your previous resource just to get some of the transitional items, which will help save time and get us up and running faster. That was a test, which I think you've already figured out. Uh-huh, that's if, they said, if they said, oh yeah, sure. I'll give you their information right now. You can call them anytime. Well, that was potentially an indicator that this was all above board. But, if I, but most of the time, the reason I brought this up is because I had a suspicion about the prospective clients. And, That's an
2: interesting uh, tool. Yeah,
1: and, and I yeah. tell you, it was it was actually validated twice. Um, once very early on, when I kept hearing about my predecessor and how it was such a godsend that I was there, and thank God because uh, she could never do anything. And I finally said to the client, uh, "You know, it seems like it seems like there are a lot of questions which we need, which wish the answers are available." but you don't have, but I bet you that this person who did this for you before me does know, can I get in touch with her? And she gave me the person's information and said, and she said, but be advised. She, uh, she really takes a long time to get back to people. Well, not only did when I contacted my predecessor, did the person get back to me promptly? She said things like, Oh yeah, this person has been broke for the past 10 years. I, did this for her as a favor. And she began to treat me like I was her pet and I just got tired of it. And that's why I ghosted her. It's like, okay, (laughs) that's interesting. Uh, And then I also had a case where this prospective client did nothing, but, but, but complain about the person that worked, that had this role before that I, that they wanted to bring me into. So I I brought up the same thing. It's like, You know, there's some technical technical information I need to know that I don't believe you have access to, so it might be helpful if I just connected directly with your previous resource because they may be able to download it to me. And I kind of got the same thing. Well, well, yeah, you can contact him, but bear in mind that uh, he tends to be non-responsive, so you'll probably never hear anything. Well, once again, not only did I hear back promptly, but... The guy warned me. Said, "Oh, uh, he didn't say it in so many words because I think he wanted to be careful about the words he was saying. But right between the lines, you can see it written that he was telling me two things: number one, good riddance. and number two, good luck.
2: Yep, yep.
1: Boy, was he right.
2: <laughs> well, I think that's 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 a that's a a great potential tool in your qualification process for clients. I uh, I think that." Could definitely be utilized in a lot of industries. Um, I think that goes to like the old adage: "How you treat anyone is how you treat everyone." Right? Like if you're taking a if you're taking a guy on a date, right, and he's a he's a he's a butt to the servers, that's a pretty bad uh-huh. sign, right? Um, it's similar to that. If 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 you go into a group that's had terrible relations with all their vendors, <laughs> it's a pretty good sign. You're next. Um, yeah. I don't know that that's, a, but I, 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 and again, it's all, it's different by industry and all those kind of things. I also find though, that in some industries, um, there are a lot of bad people. <laughs> there are just a lot of, you know, and especially in the, the small business world, um, products are very different, but they're hard to tell. Sometimes you can, you can hire uh, an accountant and one accountant is a tax return preparer, you know, from April 10th to the 15th. And another one is a you know, full-service bookkeeper handling your accounts payable, going to be there for you, doing financial stuff. And it's almost hard to tell sometimes before you're deep in with them what's going on and what their level of expertise is. So I will give a little cover for those guys out there who've got some clients who who, um, who had bad experiences in the past, uh, because you may be their saving grace uh, and you may, you may be able to to get in there, I, I will. The only reason I'm pushing back yeah. a little bit is two of my favorite clients, uh, and I tell this to some of my employees sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, By, you know, by, by this, the way, by this, the way,
1: let me just interject. I'm about to tell two counter stories, but keep going with what you're about to say because good you're go, We're good. you and I are both going in the same direction.
2: There's a there's this thing that happens in business sometimes where the client or the prospect that is the least approachable, like uh, we we. <laughs> All right. Look, another thing to know, I'm in HR, which is a pretty female dominated industry. It's also Uh a pretty heavy diversity industry. Yes. Um, Right. So uh, at one time there was me and one other guy and 16 women in my company. Okay. So we had this kind of recurring issue. And uh, one of my highly diverse candidates or, or employees referred to it as old white guy syndrome, OWG. And, um, the issue that would come up would be that these there was a there was a cast of characters and honestly it wasn't OWGs it was there a black guy it's, it's you know it as a white woman it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. but they got who would who could who would always email in all caps right who would if there was the slightest mistake a fat finger in a thousand issues would be enraged over these items and oh lord. You know those kind of you know those kind of people that are just really really hard to work with.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've um, I've run into people who uh, would type all their emails in all caps, including right. And uh, it's like, including, why? Including, including a very good friend of mine who yeah. was actually well known for doing this. Uh, he was kind of a famous person, and uh, I I even asked him one day. I said, "Dude, why do you type your emails in all caps? Not only do you always respond to me in all caps, but." you you know, some our of our mutual friends talk about how you email in all caps. He said, he said, he said, buddy boy, when I was going to school in the 1950s, they taught us in typing class to keep the caps lock on. I just never changed. Yeah. So, and so now you've got a something millennial something, reading something, that feeling yeah, like I'm so to that. The whole time. So, yeah. yeah. So if you have an OWG, for instance, to use your phrase, an old white guy, <laughs> particularly if the person is over 70 years old, there is yeah. a chance. That that's just simply the way they were taught, and it that's means a, and and there's no harm, no foul. In fact, they were taught that way because it was explained to them that it would make them a more effective communicator. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And 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 a lot of it is communication in general. But the 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 moral of this is some of those clients that 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 were so difficult to work with. Maybe it's because of a communication style. Maybe it's because they they would nitpick the snot out of something. I found it took a while, it took a while six months it took a year, but they had been burned by prior vendors. Uh-huh. They had been burned hard, and they were so they had they felt that the only way to manage this process they could not abdicate responsibility, which is correct, but they also couldn't delegate it well. They felt they had to be in on every little thing with strong opinions and chase down, you know, because they had in the past been utterly, nearly ruined by bad
0: advice, right? Uh huh. And
2: so, six months in, a year in, some of those people that were our hardest clients to work with, and if anyone of my clients are listening to this and you're wondering, was that me? Probably not. But if you're sure it was you, it absolutely was. You know exactly who I'm talking to. Yeah. They became our greatest advocates. Mm-hmm. Because once they realized they could trust our competence, once they realized that we weren't going to ghost them, that that we were there for them, that that we were doing our absolute best at all times, that we had the skill and the behaviors to back it up, they became our greatest advocates and, uh, and some of the easiest groups for us to work with because we were able to gain their trust. Um, so I, I, the only reason I bring that up is I've, I've run into those cases in the past, man, where some of those, sometimes when I get one of those real hard asses, I think, man, this could be the, this is the client that's going to love us more than any other client before because they know how bad it can be. Right. They they've been screwed in the past. They know what our competition can do and what doing this well uh, should look like. And sometimes they're some of my favorite people to work with.
1: Okay. Well, here are my thoughts on this. Now, I have an MBA too. You and I are both MBAs. My MBA <laughs> is in, get this, human resource management. Nice. At the time, I believed that my career path was going to ter- take me down the journey toward becoming a training and development director for a Fortune 100. Okay. Yeah. So I've had some twists and turns in my career entrepreneurial journey. All the same, I... You know, during my, the time I was in MBA school, I worked for a company where I was actually split between two departments, and one of the departments was the training department, which did a combination, uh, and this was a managed care organization. It did a combination of training for internal staff and a combination mm-hmm. of, and also training for the providers within their network. So I was involved not so much in curriculum development, but in logistical planning and handling of these various trainings. So I got to be hands-on with some of it. And just by osmosis and proximity, it was a great learning experience for me. Now, finally, I did get to do some internal staff training, which was very awesome, but not until I was diagonally promoted into another department where Mm -hmm. I was training another department on my own department's policies. And what I discovered is that I'm a showman type, you know, if you have the different types of, uh, of presenters and trainers. Mm-hmm. I'm the showman type. Uh, so, if anybody from my previous employer from 20 years is listening, they'll know what I'm talking about. The rest of the world can just guess. So, <laughs> I'll explain it as best I can. Uh, I was in charge within the role I've been diagonally promoted into for handling the paperwork having to do with non participating, which means out of network providers. Mm -hmm. who saw our company's members on an emergency-type basis. And then they wanted to file and wanted to get paid, even though they weren't in network. So there was a process for dealing with those. And colloquially, internally, they were called non-PARs. Non-PARs non-participating. So at the beginning of my presentation, I would explain that the word non-PAR is an abbreviation for the word non paral and I gave the official French definition of the word non And then I would actually hand out non parels The little <laughs> chocolate candies. Yeah. Okay, good. I was and like, that, I don't not know and, that it's and, a chocolate and, candy. And, I was so that, confused. And, and that <laughs> and that and that and that got around the entire company. And word wise I had them I had them laughing in the aisles. That's so now great. I, so, so that part I it's that part I figured out. And that actually I give credit to as far as influencing me to be able to use the unexpected and tertiary, seemingly irrelevant correlations and big words to make my (laughs) points about things. So getting back to where we were both headed is I have that same, I have that same client. And if they are listening right now, they probably know who they are. And so be it where they got burned big time by people they used to work with. And I'm not going to get into any details as to what that was, but it was it turned into that same thing, that they had to be involved in everything. They had to approve anything. If there was even the slightest error, it would destroy them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it took a while for me to earn their trust and there are a number of different things I did. I'm not going to reveal the entire secret sauce because I might have to use it again. This person might be listening, besides. But and I think this person will agree with me when uh, when I say that part of it, uh, part of what I did was I pushed back on him. I said, right. "Oh, you want to pu- you want to push me? I'll push back. Tw- I'll push back twice as hard. I'll push back ten times as hard. I'm not going to go anywhere. Uh, I'm not going to leave you hanging, and I'm not going to let you chase me off. Uh, I'm not going to put up with his BS either." And I diagnosed the issue further. And I found that part of what was going on, it goes back to some of the expectations we see in some corporate settings that go back to some of what I view as the shortcomings of our educational system. Have you ever been in a meeting where at the very end, somebody spends 13 minutes explaining how they have nothing else to add?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh
1: So, therefore, what I caught in all the interactions and what this client was saying and why they, why and how they were approaching certain situations is they came from a corporate background and there was just an expectation of adding all these layers onto things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and let's say, let's say an email goes out to the list and it has a typo in the subject line. Well, we, need to have meetings. We need to find out who dropped the ball. What went wrong? What do we, we need, need yes. it was our process to make sure this that's exactly right. And then I come along and I say, well, you know what? Um, I have statistics that show that you're actually from a cost and relationship perspective, better off just eating a couple typos every year. Absolutely. And it turned <laughs> out that and it turned out that was the case. And I'm going to, re- I'm going to reveal something, uh, and, I, and, I, and there's a story I love to tell. One of my clients uh, sends out his own newsletter and has been doing it for many years. Now, for a while, his subject line was the same every week. Now, you know how once yeah. you have filled out a form on, on, a, on a web browser and you haven't cleared your cache, if you type like the first letter of what you typed in that form last time, it pre-populates what you put in last time. Yep. Yeah. That's how he did a subject line. He would just type the letter D because the first letter of that subject line was the letter D. And it would just, and then he'd just click to pre populate it. Well, one time he must have either forgotten to click or thought he clicked and didn't. And he sent out an e E newsletter with the subject line, the entire subject line was the lowercase letter D. Top
2: open rate. (laughs)
1: Right? Uh, yep. I <laughs> <laughs> buy by about 10% and two more and two new clients. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh what happened there was quite simply is that the pattern interrupt raised curiosity. Now I'll tell you one other thing about this same client. Another time he sent out one of his e, e newsletters and he had a link to something in it, and the link was broken. And he And I caught that the link was broken because I was a recipient of it. And because the reply to address was sending me copies at the time, I saw he got a couple inquiries about the link was broken. And I said, uh, you know, do you you need to send a correction or do you need us to send a correction because the link was broken? He said, I don't correct broken links. If it goes out broken, too bad. So sad. If anybody asks me, I'll send them the right link. But otherwise, the hell with them. Like, whoa, the hell with them. Well, I asked him for a clarification on that. What he meant was, yeah, to hell with those people that think that I need to be perfect all the time and I owe anybody any explanation for anything. If the the link goes out broken every once in a while, I'm a human being. Anybody who's curious enough is going to contact me and ask me for the correct link, in which case I will give them the correct link. And I'm going to give you one more example.
2: Oh, okay. Go
1: ahead. There's one more example. Um, I have another client, and this was about three years ago, where this client and another firm were partnering to put on an event. Now, my clients, their, their part of the project included putting up the web page to promote the event. It, I think it was some sort of six-week training program. And it was agreed by, let's say, I'm just going to make up a date, May 8th. By May 8th, the web page would be up, the, the registration links would be there, and we'd be good to go. We could start the promotion. Well, the partner on something like April 29th, sent out an email to their entire list, including the agreed upon URL that was going to be used for that web page. Now the domain had been purchased, but it hadn't even been set up for hosting yet, much less a web page built on it. Right. So the natural thing was to go to the partner and say, wait, wait, we agreed on that the site would be up by May 8th. Why did you send this link early? Uh, And we're getting complaints about this. That the, that the link isn't working. Uh, we can't say this was our error because we agreed on May 8th. You know what the partner said? They said, oh yeah, I'm certainly aware that uh, May 8th and I'm sure you're going to come through and it's going to be a great thing. I just didn't feel like waiting. Anybody complains to you, just send them to me. I'll close them over the phone. Yep. Okay. I, uh, wow. That's I wanna, a hang on. big change. This is
2: so yeah. good. No, this is so good. This is Because yeah. here's the thing. If you're listening right now and... This sounds freaking crazy to you. Not just this story, but the last one. And my story about a a hard ass to work with. Yeah. That's okay. That's your business. This goes to those core values, those behaviors, Just, just tying it back to one people process thing for a minute, which is every business is different and every role inside that business has to value different things when you get larger and need to scale the the conversation or the the story about the email you just uh, that went out early that is something that my if, if that had happened from my compliance team my compliance team that you want to talk about caring about commas you want i mean you, we need three tiers of review we we built we, the people in that organi- in that in that part of my company in that department. I search for people who get real antsy when the logo is a little off center, uh-huh. right? Because you need that OCD level. And, and by the way, my wife uh, built that department, right? Uh, my uh-huh. wife, Elizabeth is one of those in its place at its time reviewed at least twice before oh, I required yeah. to this. Before I reply to this birthday invitation, right? Now, if I did that, if that was my, if that was, if I went to work in her department, it doesn't matter if I'm skilled at compliance, if I know how to research and write and re, and use LexisNexis and all the tools that we need to do it, it wouldn't matter. I would be out the door in six weeks, either because I quit, because I can't handle this nitpicky bull, whatever. Or because she'd have fired me because I'd have put a comma in the wrong place. Uh huh. So you're recruiting all of your people process. But going back to that, the roles you have, the behaviors, they're not going to show on a resume. They're going to they're need, you're going to need to screen for the right kind of person. If, if the guy who, the, the client you had uh, who, who sent the email out early, ah, I'll just call, call, close them over the phone. That kind of attitude is very common among entrepreneurs, right? Yep. Um, and it's a heck of a thing and it's good. You roll with the punches, you play, you get it done, you figure it out. But that may not be the person you need in your payroll department. You may Probably, not, probably not in
1: the payroll department. Uh, right? We pro- I think we need your wife in the payroll department. That's right. Because you those need checks need to did. go out. Those, th- those checks or those direct deposits need to go out on the right day, for the right amounts, or there to will the right be penny. hell. There will right. be hell to pay because people are funny about their money, and it ain't funny how they right. get
2: So, an entrepreneurial guy like me and you, Adam. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I own a pay. I own an HR company. Payroll is a big part of what we do. Uh-huh. I tell you what, you don't want me doing your payroll. You don't want me doing, but
1: I payroll. do, but I, but I do want your wife, but I do want Elizabeth hang it and have my. You want, payroll.
2: you want one of Elizabeth's
0: 15
2: yeah. payroll specialists that we have groomed for five years to get itchy. If that period isn't really clear that it's a period, right? If it's Yes, that's who like, I want.
1: That's who I want with my paycheck. And but you I don't, want but, them but, but, to but, do it a week I,
2: early and yeah. to be stressed when it's coming up on the deadline. Yeah, and to be like, "Look, I know it's got to be done by two p.m. on Monday, but I always get it done by Wednesday, just so I can sleep at night." You yeah. want that person in your payroll department, and
1: I also want that to be the person who actually thrives on that energy. I, I speak. I speak often of your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. In some cases, that may mean you stress out if it's supposed to be 34 cents, for some reason it says 33. Because Absolutely. there is a place for that energy where it benefits the company. However, that's not the person I want reviewing my subject lines. In fact, I don't want them involved in my subject lines.
2: (laughs) That's right. No marketing for you, ma'am. Yeah. Go on to, yeah, that's right. Uh, Yeah. And, and yeah, I I,
1: I want, I want them making sure everybody gets paid on time so that there's no question about any assistance. We need getting the emails out on time.
2: That's right. That's right. So, so go to your roles, think about your business and Look not at the skills, but the behaviors. And then when you're interviewing, just I'm sticking with this one, think about how you can find the stories, find the people who can attest to to that applicant's behavior, right? So if if you're looking for a web developer, maybe you need someone who can roll with the punches and figure out tech. If you're looking for a web copywriter for sales, Maybe you need someone who can, who can spin a great yarn, but if you need a copy editor, you may need someone who likes to sit with a checklist in and out who reviews her things six times, and you should be able to tell from your interviewing process, what, what they're going to thrive on, you know, and they should be able to demonstrate not just that they have the skill to do the thing, but that their behaviors will match it. And it's not just at the role level. It's at the company level, because I guarantee you in that guy's company who sent out the email a couple days or you know, a week early, he probably doesn't have much tolerance for highly detailed. Um, I'm going to double check and triple check with my boss before I send this kind of behavior.
1: Uh, the, right? the, the, the partner you're speaking of is somebody who's famous for day drinking.
2: Yeah. Believe me, so, they're not. So are not, not, not going to fit they're not, in there.
1: They're not, they're not worried if the sentence is missing the period at the end.
2: Right, so yeah. my wife and 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 our operations team is not going to fit in well there. <laughs> they're right. not going to do well, right? They would they would they would break out in hives uh, in that organization, even if their job required detail and, and and you know and that's fine. But the whole organization has that attitude, has that feeling, has that value. Doesn't mean they're a bad yeah. company.
1: But the the other other point I want to make about that partner sent out the email early is they even said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all about May 8th. And I'm fully, fully confident that you're going to have that page up by then because it's your part of the deal and it's going to be an amazing Web page. So it's not like they were even trying to. It's not like they, they were even trying to stir the pot or be unreasonable or try to create a situation where they're trying to blame somebody for doing something wrong. They're just saying, "Oh yeah, I know full well and I'm on board with it. I just felt like putting an email out." Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. This, is, this is this is this is my stuff. And and they followed up with this. "Hey, you get any complaints about that broken link? just send them to me. I'll I'll I'll, I'll sell them over the phone."
2: That's exactly right. And and,
1: and, and, and the and, best and, and the best part and, is they did, they did sell over the phone.
2: And the same thing happens. I mean, and, and, and as a, you know, I I don't know, some of your listeners may work B2B, some may work B2C, but when you're representing another company like we do as their HR department, we have to be able to be their HR, which means we have to reflect their values as well. And they have to, and and, and at at the same time, we have to make sure that our clients are people who at least don't harm our values. Right. Right. and, and so that's an important uh, balance when you're trying to find your, not just your employees, but also your clients. Are you going to be able to work with them? There are, I, I have an accountant client that just hearing about that email story would say, you know what, if that happened, I just have to leave. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and that's okay too. There's business out there for everybody. Find your niche, find the people you like to work with, and then find your employees who can fulfill that. Um and uh and then yeah so you got to recruit them you got to onboard them you got to train them you got to set performance expectations you got to manage their performance you got to know how to fire them you got to know how to deal with them once they're gone you got to know how to deal with them getting married moving all these different pieces of their life are all interaction points that are a key part of how your employee interacts with you and if you can nail those you will have the right people to really scale and grow your company
1: all right so in our last few minutes here um this makes me think of behavior-based interviewing rather than, uh, you know, let's look at the resume and ask the, the standard questions and all that. I have, uh, since you're here, I, and I know you've probably answered these same questions 50 times, and there's probably 50 other places, possibly That's even right. on my on my show, where we can get the usual questions answered. I want to ask you something that I've never asked anybody before, but I've been thinking about. Right. company When companies interview candidates for employee positions like, you know, your W-2 types. Yeah. And they're sourcing somebody who already has another job who either has to burn PTO, come in at some weird hour of the day or night, or lie about a dentist appointment to get there. And then they have to demonstrate their ability to fit not only from a technical perspective, but also from a cultural perspective, which... More and more, we're seeing them answering really goofball questions in interviews, or even doing mm. projects to demonstrate to their prospective employer. Right. Should they be getting paid for those interviews? Well, uh, legally or morally, <laughs> both. So, both. both. both, so both. Y- but both. Let's if, cover if, the legal if,
2: side if, first. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if they're I, pro- it, okay.
1: yeah. if, if Employer, I'm the corporate, employer, if yeah. I'm the corporate yeah. employer, and I want to bring in a, If I want to bring in a corporate employee, and I want them to. Give me time and possibly effort, Should I be paying them for that? Because after all, it's starting to feel like they're rendering a service to me. That's
2: the key. Are they developing work product? So uh-huh. uh, I had a. a we, we went into a pretty large plumbing shop. One hundred and thirty plumbers. You know, tons of t- support staff. All that. And part of their interview process was uh, a, what they called a shadow day. Right. So. Yeah. These guys had to take a day off work and then go ride around in a truck with their guys. And they would, you know, actually do this. And, and this was a major issue. We actually were, we were brought in because they were being sued over um, this practice. Um, It is illegal. You cannot have them touch anything you're charging for ever. All right. That's the bottom line. If, If you want them to have them shadow and stay in the truck and talk to your guy all day and, um, You know, uh, talk about how they would handle a position. Sure. But if they're touching a pipe for a client, you're paying them. If you want to hire a graphic designer, right? So you set up a project. This is where I see it a lot is in the creative spaces, right? Yeah. Well, let me, uh, here's your prompt, right? For your interview, I want you to design a letterhead that we would use based on, I don't know, whatever. That. Is, is a viable test, but not if what they're creating is work product or even really potentially work product. So what I would recommend is if you really are gonna go that route for testing, which I'm not against, it depends on the industry and the organization and, and all that, um, you need to create scenarios that are not potentially work product. So you could have this plumber come into your shop and waste your materials and weld some pipes and set up a little center where there's a, how would you fix this? What would you do here? Uh, you know, put put this, fix this issue, install this water heater right here, right in our shop while we're watching. You can do that all day. Can't do it at a client's house, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, so that's the legal answer. Here's the moral answer. Uh, I'm hiring a new nanny. Uh, my nanny, uh, I got two kids, two year old, a six month old. We've had a nanny since the beginning. She is absolutely amazing. She is going back to Kansas to uh, live with her family. Her father got some health problems. Anyway, she's, got to, she's, she's, she's leaving us in about a month and a half. So this afternoon, I have interviews uh, with nannies, uh, potential nannies. And we're doing a 15-minute quick video call just to get to know them. We're going to do an hour-long in-depth interview uh, for the people who pass that. And then they're coming out for half a day. To spend the time with my current nanny. That half day is paid. I'm hiring them. They're paid. They're a W 2 for four hours. I'm going to do that for about five or six people more than likely before we settle on our new nanny. If it's something that has to be done in the field where you really need them to interact and see how they do, hire them. Hire them. It's not that hard. Hire them and bring them on for a day. Um, And I think that's the, I think that is not just the legal choice, but that is also. It shows the applicants that you're serious and it allows them to actually put the effort forth necessary to judge correctly. Uh, so yeah, I do that all the time. I, I, we hire uh, and actually pay as W-2s for a week for, for you know, I'll, you've got a 40-hour budget. I'm paying you for 40 hours at your new pay. Here's what I want to see at the end. Work with us and see how they do. Do that for 10 employees. See how it goes. That may not be viable if you're a five-man shop. I get it. But uh, yeah, we do that. We do that all the time.
1: Right. And, and for any company, eventually that's going to get very expensive. So yeah, I'm not, it's not that expensive.
2: It's not expensive. Let me, push, let me push this back on this because it's not expensive. A, compared to a poor hire. Absolutely.
1: Oh, I see where uh, you're going.
2: But also think of it this way. What I, what I do on my actual budget. Uh 50 employees. I have four open slots on my budget for trainees. It's part of my budget.
1: Oh, um, so it's so so it's part of it's part of your variable costs, regardless.
2: Absolutely. I I pl- look, first of all, you know, and I, <laughs> Adam, we, we <laughs> gotta know each other pretty well here. I'm an HR, I'm a good I, I I love my employees, I'm all that, but employees have to know they're replaceable. All right, come on. Yeah. In the end, you gotta have a plan. For every person in your company, including you, what happens if you get hit by a bus? Okay. So for us, it's very important that every role, especially when we're talking about our clients' work, has a backup, has a secondary, has a way. And even at our executive level, we have succession planning. And a big part of that is having a fresh pipeline of good people that you feel confident you can turn into into good employees. And so for us, we always have that. We have four people, uh, a four person budget. um, And we are constant, not, not constantly hiring. We're not like just hiring for no reason, but we can look forward six months and say, I'm going to need some people here. I'm worried about the tax specialist. She's a little shaky. Eh." She did great for her first year, but she keeps calling in sick every Monday. What's Uh going on. And we go, let's bring in a tax specialist training. We'll try them out for a month. And we offer. You're not always going to get people who are able to do it. Um, if you need a new hire immediately, you may not be there. But we've had great success in doing that and keeping a, a constant, uh, a, you know, once a quarter, a hiring run, having trainees, seeing how they do. And you'll be shocked. Our level of talent went through the roof when we started doing that because we found people that in four weeks of training, were performing pretty well compared to the people who've been here two years. Their rate of acceleration and learning was insane. And it right. was like, all right, I got a problem with my two-year person. <laughs> it's not the point. <laughs> of, it's not, the, you know what I'm saying? So uh, we do that quite often. And uh, I, I, I believe that you have to, just like everything, you have to have, you have to know you're going to be able to make your payroll. You have to know you're going to be able to recruit new talent. You're going to, you have to know you're going to be able to train them. You have to know you're going to be able to set expectations. And all of those pieces go into that overarching people processes piece.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I appreciate your insights on that. And unfortunately we are at the top of the hour. I mean, I could keep going on this for days, 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 days. We are at the top here. So I do want to encourage everybody who's listening to this, whether it's now or in the future to go to Rami's website, which is peopleprocesses.com. That's peopleprocesses.com. And you're going to find a lot about their agency and their organization, how they can assist people. And also look up that book, which is called People Processes. I'm gonna to have to read it myself because it's something I'm very interested in. And I think you're gonna discover a new point of view about how to handle HR. As people processes like to say, don't HR alone. And I think that's great advice for anybody, particularly a small to medium-sized company that either does not have an internal HR department or who's not investing in outsourced HR. I believe that one way or the other, particularly if you have, in my personal opinion, five or more employees, you should have that anyway. If you have one or more employees, you should at least have consulting going on to ensure that you have everything right. And Rami Olegio may be the person to help you do that. So Rami, as we wrap up here, uh, is there any, if you know, For any of our listeners right now, if there's one thing you would encourage them to do or at least think about as soon as they finish streaming this episode, what would it be?
2: Grab a piece of paper, write recruiting, onboarding, performance management, and offboarding. Just those four words. Okay. Consider each of those as a process. They're a thing you do, just like you deliver your product, just like you market. Write a goal <sighs> for those processes what is your goal of recruiting? What is your goal of onboarding? You're a smart person. I, you don't need me there. You, you, you may, if you're growing, you need a consultant, you need a company to come in, and take over. We can do that, but you know, your business, think about it. Just actually use your brain and go, if I, what is the purpose of this thing? And then write down what you do today in those processes and compare them to your goal. I think you will find there's plenty of room for improvement, and I know you will find that if you expend the time to fix those things, to make your processes reflect the goal of those key items, it will give you a ridiculous return on investment.
1: All right. Very good. Well, Rami Jill, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, in education.
2: Awesome. Thank you for having me, Adam. It was a blast.